Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the house of the Lord today. The service is all about testing. And one of the things that the readings and especially the devotion doesn't address, and I think we need to now just to set the stage, why does God test us? Why does God bring hardships in our life? Ultimately, they are from him. So why does he do this? Three reasons. One, it corrects sin in us. It addresses it. It leads us to see what sin is there in our life. The second reason God tests us is to trust him and to be patient and endure through these things. And the third reason God allows tests and even brings them into our life is that we would conform to the image of Christ who also knew what suffering was like and that we would grow to understand Jesus better and what he did for us. Order of service is found in your worship folder or on screen this morning. Let's begin at this time with our opening hymn, 871.
name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Blessed are they whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed are they whose sin the Lord does not count against them. Let us then confess our sin to the Lord. Almighty and merciful Father, we have strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed what we have devised and desired in our hearts. We have offended you and sinned against your holy law. We have done these things that we should not have done, and we have not done those things that we should have done. Have mercy on us, Lord. Spare us, forgive us, and restore us according to your promises in Christ Jesus. God, our merciful Father, has forgiven all of our sins. He sent his Son, Jesus Christ, to be our Redeemer and Savior. Jesus paid that penalty for our guilt by his death on the cross and freed us from death by his resurrection from the grave. We have peace with God now and forever. God and Father, our Lord Jesus walked into the wilderness to face the devil's temptations, but he did not succumb to Satan's lies or falter in his resolve to save the world from the prison of hell. Bolster our faith by his mighty victory that we may battle against the forces of evil with courage and confidence through your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. First lesson from 1 Samuel 17, lesson on David and Goliath. A champion named Goliath, who is from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs he wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield-bearer went ahead of him 
Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and you are not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistine's words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. David said to Saul, Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, You're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic, he put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel." All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank deep into his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. The word of the Lord. We continue with the solo. Thank you. 
Second lesson from Hebrews chapter 4. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. The word of the Lord. Choir sings an anthem.
Please stand for the gospel and we join to sing the acclamation. gospel is taken from Luke chapter 4 and the sermon is based on these words. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me. And I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. The gospel of the Lord. Praise be to you, O Christ. Please be seated for the hymn of the day, 863.
the name of our tested and approved Savior, Jesus Christ, your fellow believers in him. Somebody sent me an email in the last couple of weeks, and uh, there was a request with it. It said, Pastor, I can't tell if this email is legit or not. Can you take a look at it and let me know if I can click this? Okay. And I'm not asking for all of you to do that for me. I'm, but I know a little bit about what I'm doing. And so I, I looked at it, and it was from a major antivirus company, prominent one. And I'm looking at all of the color schemes at the logo, and the logo is right on. Colors match, everything's correct, and I'm looking at even just the title of the email. Are the words spelled correctly? And then you look at the content of the email. Is the grammar correct? Does everything in the email line up with what the title was about? Is, is everything flowing in line with how it's supposed to? And you're looking at the thing on the whole, and wow, was it good. But when you look very, very carefully at just a few nooks and crannies, there are about two or three things that were very, very off. The whole thing was a fraud. And if that person clicked that, they would have been in big, big trouble. Honestly, I, I hope today, with what you see from Luke chapter 4, about Satan, he's the exact same thing. I mean, when you look closely, what Satan is doing here is really diabolical. Who does this? It's one thing to not eat for a long time. But who then goes after somebody in their weakness who is weakened from not eating for a long time? On top of that, here Jesus has been alone for almost a month and a half. You have nobody to talk to. Who goes after somebody who's lonely or who hasn't been engaging with other people? Who's maybe, I mean, thinking of us, not necessarily Jesus per se, but who's maybe feeling a little down, would enjoy some company? Who goes after somebody in a state like that? Who then, with their words, tries to get you to doubt yourself and, and turn your mind around and inside out and upside down so that you don't recognize your identity and you really turn against yourself? Who does that? And, and, and if Jesus trips up, if he clicks Satan's lies here, if he enters into temptation, if, if he does it just once, all of salvation is gone. Satan wipes out your entire salvation bank account. There's nothing left. This is critical. I mean, Jesus is on the spot. He has to spot the scam. He has to see through every single one of these temptations. Or... He becomes the biggest con the world has ever known because God has given promises. And you understand, there is no backup. Satan has never promised to help people. Satan has never promised to forgive sins. Satan has never gone on record to want to do anything to help whatsoever the people of this world. And I hope you see at the heart and core of Satan's intention then, of everything he's trying to do with Jesus, he wants to see the world burn. He's a pyro who wants to see you burn. 
And if Jesus trips up in this, he becomes a con. The word of God becomes worthless in a complete farce. This event is bigger than David and Goliath. This is for all the marbles in a sense. And so here Jesus goes into battle without a sling, without, a, without five stones, without armor. All he is is in a weakened state, starving for some food, and he's up against a slithering serpent who only knows from his entire existence almost how to con people. And he's very good at it. It's all on the line. Here are the three temptations. And by the way, Satan did more tempting over these days as well. These are really the three worst or chief ones. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. What's the temptation? It's not just to eat something. Do you know what the temptation is? It's to be selfish. It's to get your way. It's to do what you want. It's to turn life into, in a manner of speaking, fun. I should be able to have and do what I want, right? Second one. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It's been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. What's the temptation? It, it's not just to have a high position. It's not to have a low one. I mean, think about how sinister this temptation is. Before he even starts down this path in a man, manner of speaking, before he even starts his ministry, just give up. No betrayal. No kiss from Judas. No watching your friends, your closest friends and the disciples turn their backs on you and run. No whippings. No spitting on you. No carrying the cross. No horrific death where your father turns his back on you. Just give up. Just do what you want again. Third one. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. I think this is one of the chief ones here. Chiefest of the three, maybe. Turn God's word and twist it so that God is not saying what's there, even if they're his words. Where God has said similar, something similar, but the goal of it is something God has not promised. And yet it has the veneer of authenticity. It has the veneer of being helpful. It, it, it has this idea that this is something positive for you. And they're all put to Jesus in a weakened state. And again, if he clicks, it's all on the line. Would you recognize it? Would you recognize the deceit in those temptations? Would you recognize the deceit today when they're reshaped and reformed a little bit and coming out of the mouths of your friends or your kids or, or, or other people? Would you be able to recognize them in their modern form? And if you do recognize these things today and what the world is presenting to you, 
do you have the strength to withstand it? I mean, if you truly had the capability and power to do something, to turn stones into bread, to feed whatever desire and craving you had at the moment, would you do it? Would you be selfish? Would you think only of yourself? I want what I want. I'm going to take it. I'm going to have it. And if I can do it, that's just fine. Shouldn't I have that? Um, I want to be very, very careful that I hear things even around this campus, and I don't want you to think they're going to necessarily end up in a sermon, but this one was particularly egregious. With all of the stuff out there for the silent auction this past week, one of the kids said, I've got a thousand of those, and I want more. We had a little talk after that. But isn't that the way our culture is? Shouldn't you be able to have the fun you want? Shouldn't you be able to eat whatever you want? Shouldn't you be able to travel or do whatever you want? If, if it's good, do it. If it makes you happy, do it. And maybe you're the kind of person, I mean, we have diff, obviously different age groups here. Maybe you're of a particular character that you practice self-control and you have it. But can you do that for your kid? Can you help your grandkids do that too? Could you say no to your child or grandchild. God did. God told him no every day for 40 days. No food. Could you do that? Say no and mean it? And what did Jesus respond with? Man doesn't live on bread alone. I'm going to live by trusting the word of God. That's just temptation one. What about temptation number two, where the whole world is presented to Jesus? You could have it all. You know, it's all served up on the platter. And in a way, I'm excited. At least Jesus is offered something really good. At least he has the whole world on the plate. Because what have you and I fallen for? Often the deal Satan offers us is far, far less. So at least Jesus gets a really good deal out of this, right? He could, he could be in a position over it all. Now, mind you, Satan's lying. He, he has no power over all of the nations. Everything's accountable to the Lord. But what have you and I fallen for? Oh, for just a few extra hours of sleep on Sunday. It's got to be worth it, right? To miss out on the word of God? It's got to be worth it, right? To take the easy way out of my marriage? Or maybe to not get married at all? than to listen to the word of God, than to put God first. What does Jesus do? He worships the Lord only. Oh, how about number three? All of us have twisted the word of God. All of us have turned it inside out. The grudges we hold on to against people that have wounded us and sinned against us in life, and maybe they're still doing it. And the way we sort of ease up our conscience and say, yes, they deserve this. I think God would be on my side, and he would understand for why I'm not forgiving that person. And we seek to justify it and twist Scripture around to make it so. I just heard one this past week. I, heard it, I hear it frequently. 
Oh, everybody else is doing it, so it should be good for me to do too. I mean, it sounds so ridiculous when it comes from the mouth of a pastor and you're sitting in a pew, right? But we say that, we do that, and we justify our actions because if, if somebody else in the church is doing this, I should be able to get away with it too, right? I'm still waiting to find that Bible passage in the Bible. Because it's not there. Over and over again, we seek to take some things from Scripture and twist them into something they're not. And you know what we're really doing? We're jumping off a ledge. It's exactly this third temptation. Go ahead and jump, and so we jump. Where God hasn't promised, where God hasn't spoken, and the result is God will not be there at the end of that. And then you know when we crash and burn at the end of that jump and we fall hard down in life? Then we have the audacity to say, God, why are you against me? This must be your fault. And we make him out to be the enemy. When the reality is, how quickly we doubt. How quick we are to turn. How quick we are to fumble and fall. Not Jesus. He looks at this last temptation. And what does he say? Do not put the Lord your God to the test. I will not go into an area where God has not promised. Even though we are not to put God to the test, I hope you see in Luke chapter 4, God put his son to the test and there's a reason why he did it. So that today, again, you would see the self-control of Jesus in every situation, even under duress. So that today you would see the persistence of Jesus and the way he trusted and endured and even the way, the righteous way he knows the word of God. He knows it so well and he's applying it so well to every single situation. He's that good. So that you see he passed the test. He passed every test. He surpassed these three and even all of these other things that Satan threw at him. Which, what does that mean for us? That this is your legitimate Savior. And that every word he speaks and that every word God has said in this book, this is quality. This is something you can hang your hat on. This is what Solomon learned at the end of his life too. These things are legitimate. And so is your religion. Because Jesus with his life earned all of these things he fulfilled the gospel. I understand if somebody from town and somebody, somebody said something this past week too, I won't get into it, but they said, Christians are illegitimate. Look at their hypocrisy. I'll leave it general. And I will stand up in a sermon and I will say, I agree with you. If you investigate me, if you investigate any Christian, you are going to look under the hood and you, it's not going to take long for you to find sin. It's not going to take long for you to find falter where we have gone astray from God's word. It's on all of our records. And that's why we're here today. 
A Christian doesn't mean you're going to be sinless. It means you turn to the one who is and you return in repentance to the one who passed the test for you and fulfilled this gospel and didn't give up on that cross. Because by this gospel that he lived his life to fulfill and guarantee, I get to tell you today in the name of Jesus, all those sins are forgiven. Because he passed all those tests. And through faith in Jesus, it's not just that we see Jesus as that good. It's that God, our Heavenly Father, sees you as that good. Because the test results of the life of Christ are given for free to you. His life is your life. And here today then, not only do we have forgiveness, not only do we have our Heavenly Father... But by this gospel, you have the word of God, the wisdom of God. And you have Christ who will not abandon you and forsake you and leave you alone to face a temptation. He will give you his word and he will go there in that moment with you and give you his strength to face it and to fight it and to live for him. That's the savior we have. He's that good, and he's that good to us. Trust him. Amen. Please stand. May the peace of God, which surpasses our understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. We join in the creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated for the hymn.
Please stand for prayer. Heavenly Father, you heard Jesus' prayers and saw his outward struggles as he went to his final day on earth. You encouraged him and sent your angels to help. Dick and Janice Delb now see their daughter Brenda enter into hospice and go toward her final days on earth. Help her, dear Father. Encourage her with your love and support her with every means possible that she too might hold tightly to you. Greg and Dawn Johnson have a different struggle. You've called them to consider teaching at another school here in Wisconsin. Their eyes look to you to consider where they might best use their gifts to serve you and advance your kingdom. Help these servants of yours throughout this process. And Lord, we're not privy to the hearts and inner thoughts of the rulers of this earth, but Satan, we know, is still working to destroy lives. Nothing in all the universe we know is hidden from your sight, so Lord, please frustrate all evil plans and people. Bring outcomes that bless your kingdom and permit us to further your name throughout the earth. Through every struggle, give us strength in Christ's work and hope from what you are working in us, an eternal glory that far outweighs all of this. We pray this in your name as we now join to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Blessed Lord, you have given us your holy scriptures for our learning. May we so hear them, read, learn, and take them to heart that being strengthened and comforted by your holy word, we may cling to the blessed hope of everlasting life through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace. Amen. Please be seated.
Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Welcome, guests and visitors. Love having you come worship the Lord with us. Please do come again. A couple of announcements, some from me, some from others. So if uh, Thomas and Alicia, I think you guys have announcements. If you wanted to come on up, uh, I will uh, give a few of mine. This Wednesday, we do have a Lenten service of the second in the series, and that uh, is at 6.30. And there is, I think, a fantastic Luther Curia chili dinner. Is that correct? Lasagna. Lasagna. Well, it's close. It may not be fantastic. So, so, so let's, let's back it off and let's just say it's Lenten surprise this Wednesday. There we go. So um, then uh, one other thing is both of our heaters are out in the gym and we really did not want to have you go in and freeze for Bible study this morning. So we're going to have adult Bible study in this room this morning. And there still is uh, coffee and some goodies in the, in the commons area if you'd like to have some time after church and enjoy that too. Uh, hand it off to Thomas Cameron, representing the Capital Campaign. Thank you, Pastor. Um, a few weeks, uh, a few weeks back, Corey was up here saying that you should be receiving a letter in the mail about uh, growing forward in our final, final campaign push. You should have received that letter, and it should look kind of like this. And if you're sitting in the back and can't read it, you should be less Lutheran and sit in the front next time. <laughs> that letter includes a lot of instructions about what to do, but I'll sort of walk through those. The other document is I try to... Um, is a, a second uh, campaign uh, offering form. Uh, with some instructions on how to how to fill that out after after prayerfully considering um, if you'd like to support uh, the growing forward campaign again, um, you can have a new pledge, you can revise your pledge, um, and you can make an additional pledge. As as Corey mentioned a few weeks back, the goal is about five hundred thousand dollars of additional pledges at this point. Um, looking at a combination of cash and uh, pledges into the future. If you have a more com uh, more complicated gift, one of the things we've talked about is if you have appreciated stock or something like that, uh, talk either with Eric Eikhoff, uh, Corey Schrader, or myself. We'll probably point you to Jim Van Alstyne, and uh, we'll figure out how to how to make that work. After you've prayerfully considered uh, your contribution, you also got this lovely envelope. There we go. Um, you can uh, fold it into that, uh, fold your pledge into that envelope, uh, and you can return it to church. You can either put a stamp on it and mail it, or you can put it in any of the offering boxes uh, in the narthex, or you can bring it into the, uh, the church office and turn it in there. If there's another way that you would like to turn it in, talk with Eric Eikhoff, Corey Schrader, or myself, and we will figure out how to get you to, to turn that in as efficiently as possible. Uh, if you have any questions, please don't hesitate to let any of us know. Um, otherwise, we look forward to giving you another update in a couple of weeks. Thank you very much, and thank you.